You're listening to Popaganda, the feminism and pop culture podcast. Today, we're talking about race and writing. One of the big issues we've been exploring on today's show is the concept of gatekeepers. Since the publishing industry is 89% white, it's mostly white people who are making decisions about what books should be published and what authors should be hired. Race colors our subjective understanding of what makes something powerful. Experiences that would profoundly resonate with some readers wouldn't with others because they have different life experiences. So what is it like to try and get a book published if your book is about a person whose identity is often stereotyped, pigeonholed, or altogether ignored by white-dominant pop culture? Author Erica Worth knows a lot about this. Erica is an Apache Chicksaw Cherokee poet, a novelist, who was raised outside of Denver. She published her first novel, Crazy Horse's Girlfriend, with the publisher Curbside Splendor in 2014. It's a gritty book about Marguerite, a sharp-tongued, drug-dealing, 16-year-old Native American girl trying to get out of her life and find something new. Now Erica's in the process of trying to find a publisher for her second novel, which is about a teenage Native American boy who's in a gang. In addition to being an author, Erica is also a researcher. She's a creative writing professor at Western Illinois University and did her Ph.D. dissertation on the politics of reading and readership in American ethnic literature. So this is a really interesting time for Erica as a writer, being both a professor and trying to publish her second novel. Well, let's start off by talking about uh, your first book, Crazy Horse's Girlfriend, which is about um, a teenage girl named Marguerite who is Native American. She's living in Colorado. Um, Why is this a community and a person who you wanted to write about? I went to school in Idaho Springs, although I lived outside of it, slightly in the mountains. And I really felt like Denver and outlying areas, it's just, you know, it has, there are a lot of, you know, people of Native American heritage um, that are there that are just ignored. I mean, there are so many folks um, from Oklahoma, um, so many Navajo folks, Lakota folks living in Denver and outlying areas. And, you know, Colorado sees itself as this very white, hikey, bikey, now marijuana, right, um, haven. And it just sort of bleaches itself out. And it, it's, it's always irritated me. And so I really felt like where I grew up needed, deserved to have some kind of voice. So the stories that you saw or that the lived experience that you had wasn't necessarily reflected in fiction and in novels about Colorado and in Colorado's sense of, of self. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's a lot of great Native American lit, but the sort of conflict of Res, <clears throat> res life, reservation life versus not reservation life. You know, I'm not saying that that isn't a huge issue and there are all kinds of ways to go about it, but I got really tired of it because over 70% of us live off the reservation and so many reviews of my novel, you know, tried to imagine that, you know, people in my novel, the whole novel is about loss of culture. And I think that's so American and it has nothing to do with what I was writing about. My, the folks in my novel um, speak a combination of Spanish, English, Lakota, and Navajo. They go to powwow, they're Native American church, they know what tribes they are, they know what families they are, um, they have a sense of who they are. And I, I don't. I think that's just something that's superimposed and it really irritates me. But what can you do? So Erica, I saw you on a panel on diversity in fiction last year um, at a conference called BinderCon in Los Angeles, which is a conference for women writers. And I was really struck by what you said on the panel um, so I'll just read it back to you. It's You were talking about uh, your second novel, which is um, about a teenager who's in a gang, who's, who's also Native American. And in that panel, you said, if you're a white guy, your book is called Coming of Age. If you're a woman of color, it's called YA. 
So can you just speak to that disconnect between how the the work of white male authors is more likely to be seen as you know grand coming of age, as whereas as you, your work can be pigeonholed in the role that race and gender plays in that? Even men of color, a lot of times their novels where their protagonists are teenagers, it's art. Mm-hmm. Well, can you talk a little bit more about how you think race and gender colored the reception of your book within the publishing industry? Do you feel like um, you had a harder time getting people interested in the book because of the race and gender of the protagonists? Um, or were people supportive of it because they wanted to see more books like this and were like, this is a story that hasn't been told? Um, with both of my books, I've had immense problems. I'm the first to say, look, I'm not necessarily a genius. Uh, certainly there's lots that I can learn. I'm always trying to be a better writer, but I see people who I think are equal to me um, having an easier time. I think, you know, there's just a lot of confusion. You know, there wasn't this, there wasn't a lot about spirituality. There wasn't a lot about, gee, it's, I'm so conflicted because I'm not from a reservation. I'm losing my culture. Um, and so I ended up going with Curbside Splendor, who's, and they're a great press. Um, they do very different, interesting stuff. And then the reception was of the first novel was it was vulgar and um, it was YA. Um, it was all these kinds of things that were interesting to see. And then the second novel, my current agent is having Hell on Earth placing. Um, I, they, you know, all the rejections from the big presses are, you know, it's, it's too dark. It's too unrelentingly dark. People who published Donald Pollock um, found my work too dark, which I find absurd. Um, and <clears throat> then occasionally they want it to be more plot driven. And I do feel like if I were a white male, I would be lauded for having more internal dialogue, more internal conflict, more investment in language, less investment in bombastic plot. And I just, again, I think that's really unfair. I think sometimes if you're Native American and in an artistic way, you can still speak somehow, I guess, and this feels like I'm dissing other Native writers and I don't want to do that because many of them are my friends and I love them and I love their work. Um, but it's somehow you're kind of seem anyway to be, you know, covering territory that seems familiar when it comes to a non-Native audience in terms of what they think Native life is like. People will just jump up and down and love it. Um, and I don't do that. The next novel, Matthew, is about Native American gangs. And they keep saying, oh, we want to, and they said, this is my first novel too. Oh, we so want to publish more Native Americans, but this, this is too dark or it isn't plot driven enough. And what they want, right, is something simple and palatable so that it's an exhibition of Native American culture that's easily digestible for a white audience. And I don't think that's art. You want to write something that represents um, your experiences and the stories that you want to have told. Um, but then the pushback you're getting is, no, it has to be Native in this way. You know, we, we want to see this kind of Native story. And I just, I kind of feel like if I were Jonathan Franzen or Brett Easton Ellis, right, and that I'm kind of dating myself by making, you know, those names, it, the, it just the pressure would be different. I'm not saying it's not difficult to be published and to be recognized, and I, so I don't want to come off as whiny in that sense. But when I see what the rejections actually state, um, and again, I have to say, um, even men of color, I don't think quite have it as bad um, somehow because I think they get to be sort of American masculine writer in some sense. And I, and I don't get that. And I think my female characters really scare and horrify <laughs> um, acquisitions editors and, and presses. And why, because, why is that? Why are they scary? Um, I think they're very independent. They're loud mouthed. 
they're violent sometimes, um, they're complicated, they're human. Um, they're, if they're not the main character, they're, they're one of the main characters. Um, they're not spiritual, they're not conflicted about being Native American. They're just living their lives and their lives are very gritty and they're real and they're dark. And they, and I, I think people just want, especially Native American women. And I, you know, to be, um, sort of fetishized in this very particular way that I just, I don't, I'm not familiar with that. I did not grow up that way. None of the native women I know who are like that, even if they're, you know, you know, spiritual in some sense or another. Um, and I just think, I think my characters upset um, folks, which I always thought that was the purpose of art was to upset and disrupt, or at least one of the purposes. I also find a lot of times very mysterious and funny and weird what, what white people think about Native Americans. They want us to look a certain way. <clears throat> they want us to validate the fact that they might be part Cherokee. They think we're really spiritual. They think we're all in a res. And if we're not, we're inauthentic. If they think we're, we're all dead, they think that we're from 500 years ago. And I just find that stuff incredibly strange. I, I It's so strange to be this mythical unicorn pony race of people um, when actually we're often walking right past you and around you and there's a real, you know, kind of like, I refuse to see this. I refuse to see this population as another minority group. And I think what happens is my work kind of wrecks that. It just says, nope, we're human beings and here we are. And that's just how I work. It's how I'm, I'm, I'm built to write. was writer and teacher Erica T. Worth. Hopefully you'll be able to read her second novel soon, but for now you can pick up her book Crazy Horse's Girlfriend.